You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today we're chatting with Angie Lloyd, Executive Director of the Ohio Legal Assistance Foundation. Thanks for joining us, Angie. Oh, thank you for having me. We're super excited to be here. And I will tell you, we have just become the Ohio Access to Justice Foundation. Okay. (laughs) Breaking news. Breaking news. It is breaking news. It was just official. The legislature changed our name and the Supreme Court's very supportive. And we're very excited to take over the opportunity to expand our mission and really address all of the civil legal needs in all of the spheres in Ohio where we can help Ohioans who are struggling to make ends meet really address their legal problems and be safe, stable, and financially secure. Gotcha. So it's the Ohio Access to Justice Foundation. It is. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that because my first question was going to be to, to give me kind of the elevator pitch of what your organization does. So does this represent a change in what you do or just a change in how you It's a little bit of an expansion for us. Historically, we were and remain the main funder of Ohio's legal aid societies, and that remains a critical goal for us. But what this enables us to do is really take that step back and approach from 30,000 feet all of the issues that impact um, low-income Ohioans' ability to access civil justice. Mm -hmm. So that can be anything from we've just launched... Uh, We're very excited. Something called Ohio Legal Help, which is an online platform that provides information, referrals, and pro se forms for folks. Mm -hmm. So it's a broader uh, mission and and a bit of an expansion for us that we're very excited about. Gotcha. Is this an area of the law that you yourself have always been interested in? Tell me a little bit about how you got to this point. So it's in, uh, so in my world, it's interesting that you ask that because <laughs> this is a very broad area of the law. Yeah. So essentially what we do is support uh, work in sort of all the civil areas. So housing, domestic, consumer debt, all education, all of those areas. I am myself historically a um, constitutional children's rights lawyer mm. and an immigration lawyer. Okay. I still do some of that work pro bono because we spend our time encouraging lawyers across the state to do pro bono service. It's mm-hmm. not only critically important for providing additional services to really try to meet all the need that's out there, but it's also some of the best work you can do. Your pro bono clients are amazing, and it is tremendously satisfying to work with them. So is your day job as head of a foundation, is that a lot of 
kind of fundraising then, or what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? So what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> um, happily, uh, we do not have to do a lot of fundraising uh, because we are set up in a position where lawyers are required by law to maintain client trust accounts. Um, And because the client dollars that go into those accounts are held for too short a time or are too small an amount to earn interest net of fees, that interest all gets pooled and comes to us to help fund all of these civil justice issues. In addition, uh, many civil cases have a filing fee add-on that comes to us. And again, we use that to fund these civil legal improvements. Mm-hmm. How does someone, how is it, you know, determined that someone is eligible for assistance from your foundation? So folks get assistance from Ohio's Legal Aid Societies or from Ohio Legal Help, or we now have launched a justice bus that drives around. And to a large extent, eligibility is based on people's economic uh, resources, and so we generally serve folks who are below 200% of the federal poverty level, but folks can also be a little bit over that. During mm-hmm. the foreclosure crisis, Ohio's legal aids represented large numbers of Ohioans who were probably at about 250% of poverty who were living in their homes but facing challenges in foreclosure from bad practices by banks, from mostly bad practices by <laughs> banks, although we, li- we, we like banks. We partner with banks. Uh-huh. They work with us on the interest, but there were, during the foreclosure crisis, some challenges. Gotcha. Well, and yeah, if listeners to this podcast or our readers are kind of business people in the community, you say you don't need to fundraise, but are there ways that you want the business community to engage with you? Oh, absolutely. And we do, we actually do want to fundraise. <laughs> you just don't need to. <laughs> well, I mean, well, and need is strong. Um, so, right. So there aren't enough dollars and okay. we absolutely can use more dollars. Uh-huh. And so we do want um, to engage with business partners in the community. And that's why I do want to say we value our relationship with banks. And so mm-hmm. we partner with banks around um, what we call prime partner institutions. So we ask banks to pay higher interest rates on those lawyer <coughs> trust accounts. Mm-hmm. And in that way, that is fundraising. Mm-hmm. That increases the dollars we have available. And our bank partners are wonderful mm-hmm. um, in working with us on that. We also ask our lawyer partners to bank on justice. So to bank at those prime partner banks mm-hmm. where higher interest will be earned and to talk with their bankers about how important that is. Mm-hmm. We also look to our corporate partners and, and I guess, I don't know, co-citizens, I'm not sure, but uh, the corporate folks we work with. And we hope that they will support both the Access to Justice Foundation and Columbus Legal Aid Society, who is here and who does much more hands-on fundraising in mm-hmm. the community. Gotcha. So as a partner with Columbus Legal Aid Society and Ohio Legal Help, the online platform mm-hmm. for information, um, we hope that our corporate partners will give to them directly or give to us to help give to them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, great. Well, I wanted to get kind of a baseline of what all you do, but let's talk about you a little bit more. So when you were growing up, did you always want to be a lawyer? No, not at all. I actually came to law in a pretty unusual way, I think. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. uh, And so I actually went into the Peace Corps. And when I was in the Peace Corps, I was an English teacher having limited skills. I was an English teacher. And I, in Kenya, uh, my students came and wanted to publish a school newspaper, Mm -hmm. which in Kenya meant them writing about six articles, me biking to a Catholic school about 10 miles away, using a mimeograph machine, which most people don't even know what that is, (laughs) making, we made, I think, about 40 copies, 
coming, biking back to my little village and distributing it. And two weeks daily, obviously. No, (laughs) no, no. Right. And, um, about two weeks after those little 40 copies got distributed, armed military people showed up because unbeknownst to me, one of my students had plagiarized an article from a banned publication. Oh, oh my goodness. And so all of the teachers at the school were held for 24 hours. Oh. And we were, it was discussed how you were not allowed to say things that were critical of the government. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, wow, I need a lawyer. <laughs> and um, committed that I wanted to become a lawyer because uh-huh. I wanted to learn how to protect free speech and rights and people's ability to be who they are and do what makes them most fulfilled Mm -hmm. and most successful. Mm -hmm. And so after peace, so from my little house, (laughs) I wrote off for law school applications. I was going to say, you got a great personal statement right there. I had a great personal statement. I also am one of the few people I set the LSAT with one other person and watched baboons walk by as I was doing the test. Yeah. Uh Um, But so I came back and went to law school and, Uh thought originally that I wanted to practice internationally because of that experience uh-huh. in Kenya and was lucky enough to get a fellowship that took me to Hong Kong to work with refugees. And one of my mentors who was there uh, gave me amazing advice and said, you can do more good in your own country mm-hmm. because you know the culture, you know the people, you know where it's needed. And so I've been, I've tried to be committed to doing that since I came back. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I saw you worked with Covenant House. I worked with right. Covenant House. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kids are – I um, I really think that everyone has an important story to tell and an important life to live. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of folks, and kids are classically fall into this category, who don't have a voice or an opportunity to sort of maximize their potential because, frankly, kids have fewer rights. Mm-hmm. And so – it was my goal to work with sort of the most in need of a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so I represented kids at Covenant House. Gotcha. And is that still the type of work you like to do when you do pro bono work? So currently my pro bono work falls mostly in immigration. Okay. Because um, immigration is right now a place where people have so little voice and mm-hmm. there's so much need. And so many, if not all of the people who are coming, are coming because they are afraid of violence and harm mm-hmm. and they want to be safe and take care of their children. I just represented a family, which was one of the families that was separated at the border, and all they want to do is be safe and have their kids be safe, and mm-hmm. happily they are now. Mm-hmm. They are legal and present and well, safe. Good. So yeah, so it's great. <laughs> great. Well, and before, kind of between, you were practicing and then you were a law professor for a while, right? Yes, although as a law professor, I was a clinical professor, oh, which okay. meant that I ran clinics where students were learning how to practice and taking cases. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, so it was wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been super fun to see those students now as professionals out in the community uh-huh. who are now partners with me in growing this work in the larger area. I have mm-hmm. students who are now legal aid lawyers. I have students who are in firms, well, who are now lawyers in firms, who are wonderful donators, who are wonderful pro bono partners. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really unexpected and wonderful thing that I have I've seen. Have you maintained any sort of mentorship relationships with any of those students or? Um, with, a, with a few, with a handful. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And again, it's just, it's, it's delightful to watch them grow and shine. Yeah. Yeah. The college that I went to their law school had transitioned to an all practical third year while I was there, um, which it seems like it's a big 
trend in the legal education uh, sphere. It so. is practical experience within the legal education sphere is a very big and very important trend. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the practice of law has changed, and it's more important than ever that lawyers know how new lawyers can really hit the ground running mm-hmm. uh, and have the opportunity to really um, add value from day one. Mm-hmm. So, and then right, I want to get back to where you are now, and this kind of goes back to a question I asked earlier. So when you came to the foundation, was that a change in how much you were you know, actually practicing law on a day-to-day basis? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be. No, it's a the... The way I hope it's funny to tell the story is I used to be a litigator, and so when people would see me coming down the hall, they would turn around and walk the other way because <laughs> I could be serving them with something or asking for something they didn't want. And then I decided to um, say yes and become the director of the foundation, and now that we give money away, people come at me when I'm walking <laughs> down the hall. It's delightful. Uh-huh. It's a very big change. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. What prompted you to say yes? So I think that at least the way that I have gone through my professional career is when opportunities present themselves and they sound like they would be fun and interesting, I try to say yes. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I was really enjoying teaching. OSU's Moritz College of Law is a terrific place. The faculty's great. The students are great. It was very satisfying. But this was a bigger opportunity to make a bigger impact and help more people. Mm-hmm. And so... I thought it sounded fun and like a great opportunity. So I said yes. And how long ago was that? 2011. So, okay. gosh, nine almost, years. Yeah. yeah, almost. What? It, what's your proudest accomplishment in the time that you've been there? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we have grown the foundation and we've grown the amount of money that is used to support civil justice initiatives. And we've launched Ohio Legal Help and the Ohio Justice Bus. Mm-hmm. So... Again, when you go back to what area of law do you practice, so I'm not a business lawyer, and Mm -hmm. yet I've just spun off to nonprofit organizations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which has been exciting and um, I think important, and I'm proud of having um, grown the dollars and grown. And I think we've also grown the commitment Uh uh, to legal aid and to the work that Legal Aid does. I'm really proud of all the partners we've brought on board and have been just pleasantly surprised and, and... satisfied by all the people who care and want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Justice Bus, which is like the best name, I feel it, like? Well, that's what, so it, it, it's funny, and again, I tell the story in a weird way in that um, we convened a statewide conversation about how to increase pro bono in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so many lawyers, well, lawyers have unique skills, and there are so many issues that require those unique skills. And these are issues, these are bread and butter life-changing issues. So this is preserving someone's housing or making sure their child can be successful in school. I think a lot of times people don't realize that schools, while very well-intentioned, sometimes identify kids as problems instead of kids who need extra services. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things. So lawyers have unique skills that can address those problems. And we've realized, because we keep a lot of statistics, that we've kind of plateaued in the number of lawyers who are volunteering. It's a great number, but we'd like to grow it. So Mm -hmm. we convened a statewide meeting and brought in about 60 people and worked through how to grow pro bono participation. And I thought, you know, in the tech world, it was going to be an app or a messaging service or something really snazzy and technological. And everyone said, 
you need a justice bus. You need to drive around the state in a big old bus Mm -hmm. that says justice and lawyers will be excited to be on the bus Uh and people will be excited to come to the bus. And so it's taken us a little while to, to get it all accomplished. But this September we launched the Ohio justice bus Mm -hmm. and it has been traveling around the state trying to grow interest so we can have um, lots of lawyers who are willing to go and do justice around the state. (laughs) So it's been fabulous. Yeah. Awesome. So how big is your team at the foundation? We're, we're 12 people at the foundation. Okay. Gotcha. What is the hardest part of your job? So if you think about trying to tackle the problem of addressing those sort of life changing legal needs, I think like so many nonprofit organizations, there just isn't enough money. Mm-hmm. In Ohio, 2.3 million Ohioans economically could qualify for civil legal services, which mm-hmm. means essentially they don't have enough money to go out in the private market and hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. Also, the legal issues that they're facing are not the kind of legal issues that attorneys would normally work with because they're not a potential profit center, right? Mm-hmm. They're not the kinds of things, they're not big corporate mergers. So there's just not enough money. And frankly, trying, I feel like I maybe gave the wrong impression at the beginning because trying to grow those dollars mm-hmm. is really the hardest thing we do. And we continually try to look for ways to find big pots of dollars uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that can really help address the legal needs of Ohioans who are trying to be stable contributing community members. Mm -hmm. So back in 2015, we identified that there had been a a gap in the statute that um, when folks uh, who are trying to sort through um, some domestic issues, there was no civil filing fee being collected on that. And so we uh, reached out to all of the domestic judges in the state. They were super supportive. We reached out to the juvenile judges in the state. They were super supportive. And then the legislature was very supportive. And we got a change in the statute to collect a $15 filing fee add-on on some of the domestic cases so that we can help because domestic is one of the biggest needs for people mm-hmm. um, so that we can do more work in that area. Mm-hmm. And so really finding enough money. I mean, we distributed about $18 million last year. But again, if you think about the fact that one in five Ohioans qualify, mm-hmm. how, how far does $18 million go? Mm-hmm. Um, now, happily, there are other dollars coming into the system, but we provide just over a third of the total dollars. Mm -hmm. So trying to grow that pot of money is probably the most challenging thing Mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. How many hours a week are you working? (laughs) In the office or out of the office? (laughs) Um, Actually, we try, I, I take very seriously and I think it's important that people have a balance it's more than 40, but it's not crazy Yeah, yeah. at all. And mm-hmm. we try to send people home and we try when it's not busy to make sure people aren't there because I, I think it's really important that people have a life outside of work, have time for their children. You shouldn't miss somebody's first grade play, your child's mm-hmm. first grade play. You should be there. So it, it's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> Has that something been something you've been able to maintain for yourself throughout your career, or were there any of the oh no, not at all. That's partly why. No, 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 that's partly why it matters to me now that I have some power to control it. Uh Because I think too often, parents and frankly other people who are juggling 
elder parents or mm-hmm. just family issues, um, even if not kids, I think there's so much pressure on working people to be physically at the office. Mm-hmm. I was saying, I actually need to revisit my relationship with Halloween because <laughs> Halloween was the most stressful holiday in the world. Because at the time, our kids were young. We lived in Canal Winchester, and I worked at Moritz. Mm-hmm. And they always scheduled their clinic classes um, mm. latest in the afternoon. Mm. And so Halloween was a time like you had to pick the kids up, you had to get home, you had to get them changed, you had to get to trick-or-treating. And it was hugely stressful. Um, so I don't want, now that I have the ability to say, look, we're not going to do that on Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's really important to me that other people don't go through that. Yeah. We were just discussing this weekend the pros and cons of just having trick-or-treating always be on like a Saturday, which it would solve that. It but maybe would. it's ki- it's kind of nice to have it on a work day. Like it's a, you know, a little pleasant thing. It's Halloween today. Well, so, I mean, right, exactly. No, <laughs> if I think you're not is. very stressed if about getting is, back. No, as, long as, as long as your employer knows you need to leave mm-hmm. in time to get your kids ready and go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hope that we are moving to a more accommodating work environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. How old are your kids now? So I have a junior in college, a freshman in college, and a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And it goes by so fast. And- <laughs> But, um, but they're delightful and wonderful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If you have a free Saturday morning, which it sounds like you try to sometimes, I do what, try to. what will we find you doing? Gardening. I love gardening. Mm-hmm. Uh, what types of things do you grow? Or? <laughs> Perennial flowers. I want anything that flowers and uh-huh. smells good, and I don't want to plant it every year. Okay. So um, I just keep putting different flowers and flowering shrubs and flowering trees. And, uh-huh. Yeah. That's been one of my lifelong mental blocks is not understanding the difference between perennials and annuals. Annuals, right. Because <laughs> the words both sound like they could mean the other thing, in my opinion. But I totally agree with you, <laughs> and you will notice I hesitated before I said yeah. perennial. Yes, yes. But I love perennials. I finally learned it's perennials. That's what you want. Yes. Don't buy it if it's an annual. I'm uh-huh. sorry, geraniums may be pretty, but they <laughs> die every year. Peonies are great. They have uh-huh. great aroma. Oh, they're, they're giant. Yeah, right, right. Like so going way back to when we were talking about the Peace Corps, so would you recommend that to uh, a young person today? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think um, getting out of your comfort zone and understanding how other places work is just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And you come back with so much more appreciation for people and everything that's here in the United States. And mm-hmm. you, it, it's just a wonderful experience. How long were you in Kenya? Um, so the Peace Corps is a little over two years, and then I was super happy. So I got a um, fellowship with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees for another year after that. Okay, so I was gotcha. there just under three and a half years. Gotcha. And then and then you came back and went to law school. Yeah. And I saw you went to Notre Dame. As an undergrad, yeah. Oh, oh, yep. oh. Where'd you go to law school? Um, Columbia in New oh, York okay. City. All right, great. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So yeah, Notre Dame's fabulous. Yes. Also, it's yes. a it's a fun, happy, service oriented uh-huh. kind of university. So are you a Notre Dame football fan or an oh. Ohio State football fan? Oh, sorry. Yeah, your alma mater has to trump in the end. <laughs> Although we go to all the OSU games uh-huh. and we are very supportive as long as they're not playing Notre Dame. Okay, great. <laughs> and let's see, are you a big reader? Any books that you read? So it's nice as my kids are older and I have more control over my work, I am reading a little bit more. Um, I'm in the middle of Educated right now, which is, yeah, everybody's, which is so distressing. I tried to listen to that on audiobook and just the descriptions of various like violence, they're just like, or just, you know, injuries and stuff. 
oh, I can't. Yeah, so. no, it's incredibly <laughs> distressing. Yes. I read actually a book called Being Mortal, uh-huh. which is actually about aging and how we want to age. And it was fabulous. And it's a fast read. Mm-hmm. And then I actually just finished um, The Pioneers. Have you read The Pioneers? Yeah. It's actually about Ohio and ah. it's about the founding of Ohio. Oh, interesting. And it is great. Hmm. I think it's older. I think I came to it later. I don't. Like I, not super old, but I think okay. I think the hype is gone. Yeah, <laughs> I somehow well, that's just a heard better about time it. to read it because you can get it from the library. I did, yes. So. In fact, that's why I'm in the middle of educated. The library took it back, and I have yes. to get it back. Again. Yes, uh, educated. I, I how know. far are you in that? Uh, two thirds of the way through. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, it's very distressing because you mm-hmm. do you wonder. It's also interesting in educated to see the whole Randy, I can't think of his last name, because we all watched in the news oh, when that oh, shootout uh, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but to then hear from their perspective, mm-hmm. like it was the neighbor and how they perceived mm-hmm. it, or the dad perceived mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And also, I guess, if I want to try to make some more global comment, but it it we've got to address mental health issues mm-hmm. in this country. Like the fact that this dad yeah. had schizophrenia and was just left alone to torture these children Mm -hmm. um, is incredibly distressing. I mean, there's so much. We are so understanding of people with health issues and how mental health isn't included in that. I just don't know. I just, that's, I guess if I had more time, I don't know. I can work on the legal issues. I can can do something. I have skills. I can do something. I am not a doctor. (laughs) So for podcast listeners who haven't read Educated, it's about this family. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. I guess we should explain it. Well, I think that's fine. But so they lived near Ruby Ridge, right? Mm -hmm. That's Yes. Uh, Oh, that's right. And and, uh, and they're fundamentalist sort of doomsday preppers and the kids don't go to school and, you know, don't have birth certificates. And then the young woman goes on to go to Cambridge or whatever, right? Or Harvard. She did at, well, both, I think. Yes. But I was going to connect it to your children's rights advocacy as well, that there's young kids and nobody to speak for them. Well, and I would connect it in that way too, because the thing that I have always said is part of what was so amazing about being a children's rights lawyer was that often the kids were the functional person in the family Mm -hmm. and you could see that if they had had appropriate parameters, if they had had appropriate um, opportunities, they would have been fine. And then to see what these young people juggle emotionally and financially and how they manage that was actually inspirational, frankly, mm-hmm. because because these kids are just... They're so resilient, and they they really do try to do the right thing. Although, what we know is the brain doesn't finish developing till twenty six, so mm-hmm. they don't have executive functioning, and they make some bad choices. Sometimes. <laughs> well, that's why you're there. Dave. It is. It is. <laughs> no, it was totally satisfying, and I, I I guess I'll make a plug for clinical education. Going back to, I mm-hmm. think sometimes folks in law school think, oh, I you know I'm not sure I'm going to take a kids kids clinic. But litigation is litigation, and again, kids are fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a great opportunity, and I hope law students take advantage of clinical education, and I hope um, young lawyers take advantage of pro bono opportunities because yeah. you really get out there in the mm-hmm. world. Well, that was going to be my last kind oh, of sorry. question. <laughs> no, no, you're great. You're <laughs> leading right into it, which is uh, I think so many, so many young people find themselves thinking about going to law school or going to law school because something to do or whatever. <laughs> uh, so kind of what advice would you give to somebody who is either in law school or thinking about going, you know, hoping to become a lawyer or thinking that might be a fit for them? Just sort of 
how should they th- look at their career? So I still think law school is a great opportunity. It is, again, a very unique skill set. It lets you do a million things. There, are, And you don't have to practice. I, I do think, so my advice to people, um, to real people, mm-hmm. is you know, say yes and go. My advice to law schools is broaden your perspective a little because I think they still teach as though everyone's going to be a litigator and not everyone will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the skills you get in the way of thinking and the problem solving, I mean, lawyers are problem solvers. That's what's so exciting about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they also, I guess, take some of the brunt of humor because, you know, you can come up with either answer depending uh-huh. on how you want to solve the problem. Um, but that's just a tremendous gift to be able to offer to people. And mm-hmm. so, again, law school, it just gives you so many opportunities that aren't all litigation. Although if you want to do litigation, have at it. <laughs> Great. It's good stuff. Do you miss litigating? No, because, again, I just did a case and I'd okay. forgotten how exhausting it was. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just in a two-day trial. No, I'm, I'm good for a while. You're good. All right. Um, yeah. I love helping. I mean, again, I'm I'm blessed to be able to work with so many people in my office who are partners in the Supreme Court, in the courts, in the legislature, who want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, lawyers, who they're all actually doing it to help. Like, it's amazing. But I don't miss the <laughs> Well, terrific. Well, any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Anything people should definitely know about the uh, Ohio Access to Justice Foundation? That we're here, and we're trying to make it a better world here in Ohio by addressing people's legal problems. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to help as a pro bono lawyer, if you want to give money, um, if you just want to come see our office and learn about it, we are happy to have you do that. And then you can go out and tell six of your friends. I think that the law has been seen as something other and apart. And I think that so many people, what we know is so many people don't even always understand that the problem they have is a legal problem. Mm-hmm. And so if we can have folks understand that, lawyers are helpers and that in this world they're here to help I think we'll all be in a better place so we're really trying to just get the word out that we're helpers and we're helping awesome well thank you so much Angie it was lovely to chat with you oh my gosh thank you (laughs) 